Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 66 of Unblocking Crypto. Another interesting week in the crypto space. How welcome back and let's jump right into it. Sounds good. So from a big picture, so some interesting news happening. And the first one we talked about last week, Coinbase submitting a video talking about some of the issues that they had with the SEC. The U.S. has now ordered the SEC to respond to Coinbase in the next 10 days. I think that was a while ago. So we're hopefully going to be hearing a response at some point within the next week. And that'll be interesting to hear which direction that goes. Yeah, I think it's the SEC is way overdue. I mean, everybody's telling them we're waiting for you. They, the industry needs to move forward. They move forward in one direction and SEC hits them with a Wells notice and that they're going to be penalized. It's like, okay, well, tell us what to do. Tell us the rules. They, they just haven't decided anything. So uh, good. Somebody, whoever's, whoever has authority over the SEC needs to be like, look, guys, you're, you're two years late on this. Yeah. So it'll be exciting to see if we just, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. Right? I mean, will the SEC actually give a response or do what they've always done and just dance around it the entire time? I would think that, like, since there's very little regulation, I would think the first round just cuts out the no-brainer stuff and leaves a lot of room for, you know, companies to move around and a lot of room for the SEC to slap the wrist when they break a rule that it doesn't exist yet, you know? I, I wouldn't think that they try to get it right in one iteration. So, uh, yeah. they're, uh, they're just chicken, man. They, they don't understand it. They're, they're not going to constrict it, you know, immediately. They'll, they'll do it a little bit, but then they'll do something stupid. That's just my guess. Speaking of not understanding stuff, the Fed raised the rates again, another 25 basis points. And I feel like the rest of the world doesn't understand why the Fed keeps doing this because it keeps breaking the economy and causing bank failures and all these other things going on. So I'm not really sure what's happening, but it's it happened again, right? And at least they're saying they're going to relook at the numbers for the next at the next uh, raise and see if it may even make sense to do, but it could be something where they hold off, but it still didn't make sense to do 25 basis points this time. Yeah. So part of the reason I don't expect the SEC to do a very good job here is Jerome Powell stands up, says we're raising it a court, another 25 bips and says that the banking sector is sound and resilient. Two hours later, first Republic bank fails. That's so first Republic bank fails. That knocks Signature and Silicon Valley down to the third and fourth biggest bank failures in the history of the country because it's number two. So in the in the since March, we're we've had two, three, and four biggest bank failures in the country's history. So uh, I would say like the banking sector's not sound or resilient. These regional banks are in trouble, and you know they're still raising rates a quarter of a percent. They haven't even kind of started going. All right, we're just going to hold you know where we're at and not raise anything. And you still and you hear about like PacWest Bank is in trouble next. So I, I, when First Republic Bank first started getting in trouble, I was like, okay, this was right after the um, the Fed stepped in and created the new uh, like banking insurance, you know, money pool that they could pull from and things like that. So I was like, uh, I'll I'll buy a little bit of FRC stock and see how that goes. I'm not gonna buy any PacWest Bank stock. <laughs> like, they're it's it's like they're just sliding off a cliff. And I, I I don't see it stopping. I mean, so yeah, that's uh that's not good. I think nobody's talking about it. I mean, I, like literally some of the biggest bank failures that ever have gone down, not in real discussion. Um, you know, there, people want to talk about Trump and people want to talk about 
all these social issues and stuff um, and Bud Light and crap like that. But banks are failing. <laughs> it's a big deal. Yeah, we, we talked, I think, last week a little bit about the M2 money supply going negative, which is pretty much people are not putting their money into the banks and getting it out of, out of the circulating money supply. But the last time this happened was like in 1930. I think there were close to 20,000 banks at that time. Now, at this point, there's about 4,000 banks, right? So the number of banks is a lot less. And while the U.S. used to have this huge banking infrastructure, it's now becoming kind of that a handful of banks that are almost too big to fail and chase being one of those at this point now since they're just scooping up first republic as a favor to the u.s government right and, um, and then i think the other thing to mention is the last time this happened in the 30s the u.s made some crazy things happen one of which was the federal reserve act of 1934 which pretty much took gold away from u.s citizens to help pay for all this so what's going to happen next? I mean, <laughs> we're probably a couple of years away and everybody's always joked that the U.S. is going to try to take your crypto and, and other things away as well, which I'm not really sure how they do, right? But uh, it's it's becoming kind of crazy to see what's going to happen over the next couple of years with such large bank failures. Something has to happen. Yeah, um, but I mean, if you're a bank, you're paying 0.01% interest. You know, I'm in a high yield savings account that 4.55% interest money markets are paying over 4%, bond funds are up into threes. So yeah, why would you have money in a bank and making nothing when you can, when in, inflation uh, today's print was 4.9%, which means it's still high. Uh, they, they changed all the rules, but inflation's still high. So you gotta chase, chase some yield. So heck yeah, bank deposits are going down. Like I'm losing, I'm losing 5% a year at least, five to 10, if I leave it in the bank. Or I can lose zero to five percent if I'm if I'm earning five percent yield uh, in in a high um, high interest savings account or or whatever anything anything except for the bank. so yeah, yeah so exactly so yeah M two money supply everything you know that's going to come down I, I who knows man this government seems to think they can do whatever they want and I, I think the bad news for them is COVID's finally over after three years of being pushed around. And most of America is kind of sick of being pushed around. So if you try to take any sort of assets or property or you try to push them around even more, especially when it comes to money, I, I don't think that they're going to be like, OK, here's 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 the gold that I had in my safe in my basement. I don't you know, I don't see that happening. Uh, so, yeah, man, uh, it, that's kind of ties into like the freedom piece, which we're, it, I've started listening to Robert Kennedy Jr., who just announced he's running for president on the Democratic ticket. Very pro freedom guy pro-Bitcoin guy, like he's the first Democrat in a while that I can listen to speak and not just get sick of it. You know, I, I haven't heard him talk about giving away healthcare for everybody, forgiving student loans, like all of these programs that these Democrats have been running on my whole life. He talks about Bitcoin and freedom and that, you know, people should have had the opportunity or should have had the freedom to choose uh, whether to be COVID vaccinated or not without mandating it. and you know full information but tying coming this back around into bitcoin is he's the keynote speaker for bitcoin 2023 this month so to have a presidential candidate speaking at a bitcoin conference uh, we talked about this maybe two or three weeks ago like bitcoin and crypto is going to be a conversation in next year's election and the closer we get to next year's election or even just the freaking campaign trail really starting which is we're like six months away from the better we are of like 
not getting massive regulation that chokes crypto out, right? Because you're not going to, Biden's not going to want to be the guy that's killing crypto and going up against Robert Kennedy Jr., who's going to be saying, you know, you should have the freedom to own assets, blah, blah, blah. So I, I think that'll be interesting. I think that's an, another thing where Biden want, Biden floated this 30% tax increase on, it, it says cryptocurrency mining, but Bitcoin's really the only one left that's that's proof of work that's in, of any significance. So it's it's a Bitcoin mining tax penalty of 30% on the electricity consumed, which I, one, I, I don't think it passes. If it does, kind of like ordinals and everything else, everything's good for Bitcoin, right? So you tax the electricity for Bitcoin, essentially the cost of electricity goes up to mine Bitcoin. So that cost of production of Bitcoin goes up. Commodities tend to equal the, or they tend to approach the cost of production. So you're talking about essentially raising the price of Bitcoin uh, to meet that production cost. On the other hand, you start taxing Bitcoin electricity 30%, and then you got to tax me 10% for using my electric dryer instead of hanging my clothes outside. You got to tax me 25% to because I'm driving to the beach instead of driving to work uh, on my on my fuel consumption. If my TV requires more power to construct than than the other TV, then you know I got to pay more for my TV I, or any product or service. That that is more, that is less energy efficient is going to be penalized by taxes. I mean, this is a this is. I mean, it's not a slippery slope. Like this is just an obvious cliff that we're going to go off. Where if the government can say, "Oh, we don't like your behavior," we're going to tax your energy consumption on that behavior. It's not a slippery slope. It's done, right? Like yeah. luxury goods, luxury goods price goes up. Which I mean, for this government, that kind of makes sense, right? Like if you can afford it, you need to pay triple. You know, and this is kind of ties in directly to what we've talked about in the past with CDBCs. It gives the government control to make the decisions on what you should be doing and not be allowed to do. And I, I think there's even like a something else that they're looking at is taxing the water for your washing machine. I don't know. I guess I saw something about that. I haven't really looked at it. Like it's it's crazy all the stuff that it's turning into, but that is literally what the the whole goal of the CD, CDBCs are going to be is to almost force you to do certain things the way that they view that they want you to do it. And yeah, that's it's, a little scary. CBDCs are falling into the category of a thing that I thought was a conspiracy theory that I was like, yeah, it's worth thinking about. It's not going to happen. Like it'd be, you know, you could write a fiction novel about it and you could kind of create this universe where, you know, where, where that occurs and, or maybe, you know, China's all about it with the social credit system, but not in America, right? America's all about freedom. Blah, blah, blah. And then you start having these conversations about taxing, uh, taxing electricity for actions that the government doesn't like. I mean, it's, it's like two checkers moves away from, yeah, we're going to move to a digital dollar. And if it sits in your bank account for six months, we're going to take 5% of it. And then one percent per month after that. So like you, you have to keep spending it. You know, like, or or you spend. You know, if you spend it on X, Y, or Z, if you spend too much money on red meat, then we're going to stop your ability to transact. Uh, you know, in in that category, it's one of those conspiracy theories that's just getting closer. Well, and it's not that I pay a ton of attention to the news or anything outside of the crypto news, like I should say. But one of the things that it seems like that's happening is biden is not answering any questions that the press asks him so it is literally 
which it can't be good for our democracy when the president does not answer any questions that we'll say the general public has about the decision that he's making. So this kind of goes back to Robert Kennedy Jr. running for president. Like, why would you not vote for somebody that is actually answering questions and giving his opinion rather than just saying, here's the decision we made. No question. Sorry, I'm not going to talk about it. Well, to add on to that, I read that the Democratic National committee or convention the dnc said they're not going to do debates in the primary so (laughs) (laughs) listen i I didn't read it enough to know that it's like a hard and fast fact but i definitely read i read one article you know something hits your twitter feed and you click on it and it's you know it's a it's an article from a website you know so i kind of googled it to make they like i think readers are like a legitimate news source reported on the DNC not having debates in the primary. And then I think they talked about the the Republican side was going to do the same thing. I'm like, this is going backwards. This is the wrong direction. Wow. This is uh, interesting. So it's, <laughs> it's just going to be a random number generator that picks the person that's <laughs> Yeah. You, you, this guy's blue. This guy's red. Vote for one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, so let's get back to the crypto side of things. I know one of the other big things Gladly. to to talk about is uh, what happened with just the Bitcoin network, right? I mean, the, the network has been used quite a bit lately, and even so much to where Binance halted some of their withdrawals for a few hours a couple of times on their platform just because there was so many transactions. Yeah, uh, so, so, kind of, so on the okay. base, uh, that's fine. Uh, the, so the, the Bitcoin network, congestion is due to these ordinals but now that people can effectively make nfts or they can make satoshis non-fungible and they can they can tag images text and things like that to to individual tokens that has really blown up so 50 percent of transactions were these ordinals so the bitcoin is not designed optimally for maximum transactions is designed optimally for security so it's always been a knock on bitcoin that it can't handle the transactions it needs to handle in order to be a a monetary um asset and so that's why you have layer two things like lightning to kind of make all the small transactions happen and then you peg the base layer every you know however often in order to keep everything in line the you know we're we're at we're setting records for transactions. We're setting records for the number of transactions waiting in the mean pool. Uh, there was like 450,000 transactions waiting uh, yesterday, which is kind of bonkers crazy because when I was doing my tax loss harvesting in December, it was zero. I was just, I, every time I wanted to do a transaction, it was happening in 10 minutes. And so I read about Bitcoin, Binance uh, canceling the withdrawals because of fees so as as the mempool fills you can increase how much you're willing to pay to get your transaction done in order to kind of move up in the line and so binance was like look these transaction fees are too high we're just gonna we're just gonna not but we're gonna halt bitcoin withdrawals i read a little bit that maybe they had an issue technically moving bitcoin from hot to cold wallets but i, I couldn't really figure out if that was true or if it was the transaction fee side but we did have a block where the transaction fees were greater than the block reward. So there was a block that somebody went out there that was worth like 12 and a half Bitcoin, 
which is crazy. But it is kind of interesting because it's a glimpse into how the Bitcoin mining world is going to work as the block reward comes down next year in the halving to three and eight. And then after that, it's, you know, it's one and a half ish. But these transaction fees are going to keep coming up, especially if the transactions on the main chain are are large. Right. If, if Lightning is doing a lot of work to alleviate this, these transactions that are on the main chain, if they move over to the Lightning network and then the Lightning just every hour or four hours or whatever pings back to the main chain they're going to be big transactions big transactions big transaction fees so you know the number of transactions comes down the size of the transactions comes up the transaction fees come up and and mining for bitcoin this remains to be a profitable endeavor so i i think this i like it i like the little stress test on bitcoin i like seeing like okay well we have this problem the my favorite thing is no dummy can step in and change the rules to process these transactions. Oh, we're just going to do this temporary thing. We're going to make we're gonna make this change so that nope, it's just going to run this way, and then we'll just see what happens. And then if you want to make the Lightning Network work, or you want to make a different competitive network to the Lightning Network, or you want to do any of that crap, you can do that. But Bitcoin stays the same. We deal with it the way we deal with it, and so I, I dig that. Like I think that's a good part of this whole uh, this whole this whole process. Yeah, I think one of the things that I saw was uh, this whole concept of the BRC-20 tokens, which is mm-hmm. was created a couple months ago. It's kind of similar to what Ethereum has with their ERC-20 token standard. And I, I think there's a billion-dollar market cap on BRC-20 tokens now. So, and, and that's just kind of starting. And it's creating a ton of these transactions, a ton of fees. To me, it was always, the question has always been, What's going to happen when the reward for Bitcoin gets so low? How do miners continue to make money? And with this more fees being in on a single block on the fees versus the actual reward for Bitcoin, that starts to make it a little more clear that, yes, you're going to want to be a miner because not only can you win this block reward, but the fees associated with it are going to be just as great, if not more. Right. Well, that rolls right into the next piece. Because we're in kind of a you know a Bitcoin price between twenty five and thirty thousand used to be at sixty uh, hash rates at all time high you know there's tons of miners out there and we're still reading good news for Bitcoin miners uh, Marathon is opening a, a large uh, immersion mining operation in Abu Dhabi and that's something I wouldn't expect to hear when the Bitcoin price is less than half of its all-time high. Like normally this is when miners are just struggling to get by. Again, Bitcoin Bitcoin just keeps going, right? Yeah, CleanSpark was another miner that they are pretty much doubling the amount of miners that they're going to be acquiring or that they have in their network already. They just signed like a $145 million pretty much PO to get some more ASIC miners and I think they're actually based in Georgia too, which is kind of exciting. But uh, yeah, yeah it, it is the adoption rate of Bitcoin or the transaction rate, the hash rate, whatever you want to call it, is continually going up right now during this bear market where everybody thinks that Bitcoin is dead and dying and the metrics are completely showing the opposite. Everybody wants to be a part of it now. Yeah. And that just makes it more secure. Yep. So other interesting things to touch on. And for some of you that have money in things like Celsius, Celsius and Voyager, there is some good news coming out of that. I just got an email yesterday from Celsius that the first uh, withdrawal 
is finally available. So the 36 and a quarter percent is happening as of yesterday. You have to make sure that they have all their KYC documents in place. And then you can get that first withdrawal. The second one for the same percentage is supposed to happen near the end of the year, but that's quite a ways away at this point. And then Voyager, the whole thing fell apart with Binance.us kind of stepping away. So what Voyager has decided to do is just pretty much liquidate everything. And what they are saying is that it looks like it's going to be about 36%-ish, somewhere in that 30, mid-30 range that they're going to give back to everybody. Although they have a huge outstanding issue with FTX and Almeida. Um, a loan that FTX and Almeida pretty much had, they paid back Voyager and they're saying because they went bankrupt that they shouldn't have to pay that back and it should be an asset that goes back to FTX and Almeida. So if they're able to get that, that'll almost double the amount that they give back. If they're not able to get that, then they've already held it out and it'll be just going back to FTX and Almeida, which somehow they found money and they are talking about instead of giving the money back to all the holders, they're going to use that and sell it and restart their exchange, which I can't believe that's even an option that they're even talking about. That's, that's pretty dirty. On my side, uh, BlockFi, uh, they, they have a hearing this week about there's a i guess there's a challenge to when the cutoff was for withdrawals so there might be another 375 million dollars available to blockfi uh account holders that didn't get their money out so or, or that they requested their money but they didn't come out i don't pay that much attention because every time i read an article i get frustrated about it but uh there's 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 a little something going on for for blockfi folks we'll see what happens we have some more positive news we talked a little bit about cardano and they were wrapping Bitcoin on their test net, right? So interopting with the Bitcoin network, being able to bring Bitcoin over to the Cardano network. There's now an EVM compatible sidechain on Cardano that will handle Ethereum contracts. So uh, Milkameda is the, the company that has done that. They've enabled it. So now you should start to see a lot of chain interoperability between Cardano and Ethereum. So that's kind of exciting that more of that is happening. I know Polkadot, Polkadot was kind of pushing to have a lot of interoperability. And now we're seeing that a lot of these other chains are kind of doing the same thing. So I will tell what this will mean, but it's now opening the door for people to use either Cardano or Ethereum on the Cardano network. So speaking of other smart contract blockchains, Solana had a couple of interesting announcements. ChatGPT has been in the news quite a bit. Solana has mentioned they're the first blockchain company that's working on a chat GPT add-in for or plug-in for their blockchain. Not sure what it's going to be used for, but it's intriguing that they are incorporating more AI into the blockchain and it'll be intriguing to see what people do with that. Yeah. I like I feel like when I use chat GPT, it's pretty good. Like I can make it spit out answers that to questions that I have. Other people seem to be super good at using it to do things that I can't figure out how they do it. So uh, I think maybe I'm like, I'm just too old to like pick up a new technology as fast as I used to be. So it's, it, it, 
I'm impressed with it. Uh, I, I really don't understand how how uh, it can do some of the things in, in some of the markets that it that it uh, that it helps out. So um, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, the other thing that they are you're you're able to see now is their phone that they released, the Saga. It's about a thousand dollar phone. It has probably some of the best security for a phone for crypto, and it seems to have a lot of people impressed. Uh, today and what they've done is they've almost created it's it's runs on android so you can access the play store but you can also access kind of the solana dap store as well so you can utilize that for uh, anything on the solana blockchain and it'll be interesting to see how that does i mean solana kind of struggled a little bit after the whole ftx meltdown and we wondered where it was going to go and a lot of uh, projects were leaving Solana. It seems like the people that have stayed, there's still some smart people there and maybe they're doing some cool things, but I guess time will tell to see if it really turns into something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like right now is a good time to position yourself if you're a, if you're a altcoin so that when the hype train does start back up and you can be the recipient of a lot of, uh, a lot of funding. Sushi Swap was also in the news. So they just released their V3 software which to make it simple, all it does is make their liquidity pools more efficient. Uh, they are probably now the largest decentralized exchange out there and making things more efficient just means that you get better prices when you're trading from one thing to another. So good news there. They, I mean, they were in a little company that their project that went through a lot of turmoil and changing over to DAOs and all kinds of crazy stuff. So it's exciting to see that they're continuing to work on their project and it's getting better. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not following altcoin stuff much, but the more things they do, the more opportunity they have of finding a good niche and a good like product market fit so that it helps out. So keep trying stuff. Yeah, there's another project called MeWe, which is pretty much an alternative to Facebook. It's got about 2 million users, so it's still pretty small compared to what Facebook is. But they have just announced that they're going to be moving to a dot pair chain. So this will be completely decentralized on the Polkadot network. And it'll be interesting to see if it takes off, if people want to protect some of their privacy and data from Facebook and still have the ability to have a social platform. And then kind of the last thing on a big piece of news was Avalanche. They are having a huge unlock on their tokens in i think the end of may right the 28th so there's about 168 million dollars worth of tokens that are about to be unlocked i guess more so just be aware if you do have avalanche that could cause some sell pressure and for it to go down but at this point there's no telling what's going to happen we all thought ethereum unlocking some of their staking rewards was going to be a huge sell pressure and all we've seen so far is more people are actually staking Ethereum on the network now that they know they can get it off. So it's been good for Ethereum, how it affects Avalanche, there's no telling. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't keep up with Ethereum staking and unstaking rules and I don't try, I don't, I'm, I'm not staking Ethereum. Yeah, I haven't either, but I think the thought behind it all is that because it does provide the ability to get stuff back. Uh, it allows institutions to join the Ethereum staking side more so now. And right. I, since it is proof of stake, I would rather it be more people staking rather than 
the the chases and consensus of a world being right. the ma- Fewer major big players. Stakes in these houses. Yeah, yeah, the ones making the decisions. Um, NFT stuff that is interesting to talk about too, since I always want to talk about that. Alibaba was in the news. They are launching or putting together a launch pad for businesses to deploy metaverses on the Avalanche blockchain. So that's kind of interesting to see. It's called, I think, Cloud Cloudverse, but it will pretty much enable any business to go create their own metaverse through through Alibaba. So it's it's cool to see a large non-Web3 company getting involved with a Web3 company like Avalanche and creating an opportunity for more customers to create their own metaverses. How that happens or how many people will actually utilize that is still to be determined, but it's still, it's exciting news to see. Yeah. I mean, I'm, my first thought is the power consumption of the metaverse is astronomical. So <laughs> I wonder how the U.S. government's going to handle taxing people who are uh, using power to, to to operate within the metaverse. Yeah, that's a whole nother issue to deal with. <laughs> um, Amazon had some pretty big news too. So we talked or at least mentioned Amazon coming out with like an NFT marketplace in the past, or they were really interested in it. They had made some investments though. They are officially launching this month on May 15th. So not many days away. It will be mainly focused on blockchain gaming, which we've kind of said gaming is a, huge theme for 2023 and beyond just to get more and more people into the crypto space. It'll be compatible with a handful of other blockchains, Ethereum being one, Avalanche being one, I think Chainlink being one too. So it'll be kind of exciting to see. The cool part about that is if you look at the Amazon ecosystem, they have close to 200 million people that are on that utilize Amazon, right? And not all of those are definitely on crypto, but Amazon is gonna make it easy to where you don't have to have your own wallet or anything crazy. They'll handle a lot of that on chain. Um, so the theoretically the user interface should be a lot easier than what the people that have been in crypto have been used to <laughs> for quite some time. So the onboarding for other people to get into the crypto space and the gaming space should be a lot easier. Now, how big is the gaming space for people that are using Amazon is still kind of to be determined, right? But it's it's cool to see that Amazon is making that push in the space too. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see. I, I keep thinking about how you could use crypto to create a currency within an application, like like maybe not with Amazon, but you mentioned gaming. If you had, like if, if you just had a gaming environment, like an online game, or a mobile game, and you just spent $3 million on Bitcoin. And so you had whatever that is, three or a hundred billion Satoshis to distribute to players. Like, all right, you buy the app for 10 bucks, here's your Satoshis. And then as you win or lose, you gain or lose Satoshis from other people. And so if you're a Bitcoin minded person, all right, great. I can go in and play this game and increase my Bitcoin stack. If I lose, then I got to pay more and buy more Bitcoin. And that seems like a natural fit, you know, like most of these games are like resource management games where you're collecting things or stars or whatever prizes and stuff over time. I'm I'm surprised nobody's really done that. I I think that social media could do that with likes and comments. Like if you like, then you basically give that guy five Satoshis or whatever. Uh, Or if you comment, then it costs you a couple of Satoshis. So the, I feel like you can start to bridge that gap between the value, real world value and 
social media or gaming. I just don't think it's really been done well yet. So I think there's a lot of things out there like that. I mean, if you look at the Brave browser, they have their bat token that you can tip people using that um, for writing content and things like that, and that you can turn back into Bitcoin or whatever. It's it's not so much Satoshis that people are doing it with. It is this other token on whatever blockchain they're doing because it's somewhat centralized there, but it can be, whether it's on this gaming platform or whatever, or an NFT on that gaming platform, you could then turn around and sell it to somebody else who sees value in picking that up on a somewhat of a marketplace, right? So that's the advantage of a lot of this on the blockchain is, okay, let's say you create a skin or right, you win a skin and somebody else really wants that. Maybe they'll pay you 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever for it. And now there's going to be a place to go exchange that and have a trust from somebody that it's going to really happen rather than you saying, here, let me send you a check in the mail <laughs> and then hope that you're going to transfer this to me after you receive the check and deposit it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, so I was at my friend's house and uh, so he, his son is about the same age as mine. And on his, he was, you know, it was like, if I do my chores, then I can convert that into you know, whatever it was. But one of them was, I don't know if it was Roblox bucks or if it was like um, Fortnite money, um, V-Bucks. But it was like, that's how valuable those skins, I mean, you know what I mean? Like those video game things are that kids are willing to like, he, he didn't say ice cream, you know? And he didn't say other things that are like actual fun things. He's already playing the video game. He just, he's willing to, con like, you know, if I do my chores all week, then, you know, I'll get my allowance in V-Bucks. Man, if you're, and that's that's 10 years old, right? So fast forward, now that kid's 30, like, in V-Bucks or Bitcoin, that's, there's a market there for sure. Like, that that's 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 definitely going to happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it is, it is already growing like crazy, uh, but there's, there's a lot more to come, I think. Yeah. Cool. Well, anything else that we missed? Well, we covered a lot of ground today. I think uh, I'm sure there's a lot that we missed. No, the stuff I wanted to talk about, we got in. Great. Well, Hal, as always, great catching up, and we'll talk again next week. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.